everybody and welcome to this episode, the running a business one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. This is a truly international episode this time. We've got speakers from around the world talking about what it's like to run a business as a woman in learning and development. Our first guest is Jo Cook. Jo has been on the podcast before and through her company Lightbulb Moment, she specialises in training learning professionals about virtual classroom and webinar design. She's been doing that since 2013 and she is also a speaker, instructional designer and classroom facilitator. Our second guest is Holly McDonald. Holly is the owner and chief spark of Spark & Co. They're a custom e-learning firm based in Canada who specialise in designing and developing instructional products for external audiences. Holly's been in the instructional design and e-learning field since the late 1990s and is a sucker for a good dog video. Our third guest is Bianca Raby. Bianca is a passionate learning designer, serial entrepreneur and digital education strategist. With 20 years of experience designing, developing and delivering learning experiences face-to-face and online, Bianca debuted as a writer in 2021 to inspire educators to become expert learning designers. This is a great conversation which we recorded across three time zones in February 2023. It's a brilliant, realistic and inspiring listen. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Joe, Holly and Bianca talking about running a business. It's lovely to be here with Holly and Bianca and I'm Jo. Holly, uh, tell us a bit about how long you've been running your business and why you started it really briefly. Ooh, briefly. Okay, so (laughs) 16 and a half years or so um, started the business and um, really what I was doing was uh, starting over uh, in my life. So I was moving away from a city to a small island and I needed a way to earn income. So I, once I got to the small island, I didn't want to work at the grocery store or the movie theater. And there was no corporate training folks on this island. So um, that was 2007. And I thought, oh, I really need a way to um, uh, to earn an income. And then uh, the other element of that was wanting a way to control my own future so that if moving to this small island didn't work out, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sort of stuck. Uh, and what it allowed me to do then was to think about where in the world might I be able to take my brain and run this business? And did it have to always be the same place? So that I think I was one of those early kind of digital nomads that said, "Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go somewhere else for a period of time um, and do this work. And so that's, that's sort of my origin story in terms of, you know, why I started the business. I love it. I've got about a million questions already, but I will wait um, and speak to Bianca and I'm sure you'll come up with a million more questions. Bianca, what's your business origin story? Um, Yeah, a little bit similar. I kind of wanted to be completely location independent for one thing. Um, I had done, you know, by the time I started my business, I'd been an employee for 15 years and um, was kind of ready to, to build something that, you know, I... I could put hand on heart that was, you know, with my energy, my my soul, my mission, uh, and and when culminated all of those things that I had learned for all those, those years into something that I could control as well. Like you said, Holly, you know, having that autonomy, and I was always a very intrinsically motivated person. So 
it didn't feel like a big leap to be able to run my own thing. Um, and, you know, and, and I guess connecting to the sector, I was seeing huge gaps in, uh, so my business is around, you know, designing digital learning. And I was seeing big, big, big ex- uh, opportunities for the learning designer to come forward as the, the one that's going to support the quality improvement of the whole sector. And so, yeah, I guess I spent a while sort of looking at this and going, well, you know, I'm pretty sure a whole business could be created around this particular idea and this particular skill set. So that's what I have. Let's go for it. And um, also being remote, you know, being able to be anywhere. Um, so I'm currently uh, having this chat from Bali. So I have had built my business from a tropical island. So if you like you, Holly, I kind of didn't want to didn't want to be stuck in the the hamster wheel of a city. I did. I did Melbourne life, uh, you know, I, I know what it's like to, to, to do that rat race and I just, uh, I didn't want to stay in there. Um, I like visiting, but then I like coming home. <laughs> <laughs> I so relate to that hamster wheel comment. Yeah. That was exactly what my husband and I said. We were just like, we need to get off this hamster wheel um, and live somewhere else and be somewhere else where life is more important than and I couldn't see my quality of life improving as an employee. I couldn't see myself getting past a certain ceiling that was going to be able to give me the freedom that I wanted. Um, and so, yeah, and I'm actually back to the part of the original question. My business is nearly four years old, so I'm not as I'm not a, a, in it as deep as you are, Holly. But um, definitely on that on that path to more freedom financially, personally as well as freedom within my my lifestyle. So. And uh, I feel really jealous because you've both mentioned islands and I'm in Camberley in Surrey, not far from London in the UK. So it's not quite the same, I'll be honest. It's an island. <laughs> island. <laughs> okay, it's if you take the UK as a whole. <laughs> but for me, um, I, I've been doing this 10 years actually next month. So that's really exciting. So I feel like I need to make a cake or something. And, um, and it was really echoing from uh, from you about the autonomy and being able to do something differently. So I'd worked for a lot of different organisations that had done a lot of different things and a lot of good things and a lot of things where I thought, I think this could be better. And so I thought, well, if I do it, then I'm in complete control of what that is. And therefore, it will always be whatever my standard of better is, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, 10 years later, I must have been doing something right. And and for me, it was less about the location part that you've both talked about and the hamster wheel thing, although that's part of it. For me, it was more about that control of my lifestyle. So I have a, a genetic muscle condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome hyperflexibility. Uh, it's getting a lot more well known now. And that causes pain and fatigue and stuff like that. And I just found trekking into an office, doing the nine to five, coming home again was was really uncomfortable. And I could absolutely work, but I couldn't sit at a desk all day, nine to five. I needed to be able to be more, quite ironically, more flexible um, in my approach to work. And so running my own business allowed me to do that. And I think that's what a lot of women do for running their own business is they need flexibility in their lives for something, childcare, elder care, a personal kind of medical care, whatever it might be, or it's just choice of I want to live my life this way. And I think that's something that's come across in all of our stories. I just really like afternoon naps. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. 
like I mean I have all those things as well Joe I like you know I like flexibility with my my energy levels but yeah I just love being able to go I'm just gonna take 20 minutes <laughs> and and have a little nap and come back to it <laughs> couldn't do that in my old workplaces no and I think that's a real pity that, you know, the amount of flexibility that we have, where whether it's a nap or a walk or a, you know, put the laundry on, you know, whatever kind of that break is, I find that that really helps me think about something and something pops into my head. Whereas if I was like on that hamster wheel, like you say, at work, it'd be like, get that report done, get that email out, get that learning asset done or, you know, deliver that virtual classroom, which is what I focus on, whatever it is. And you don't have that reflection point and that up and down that you need to get you through the day. Uh, and I think everybody should have that regardless of, of their need or, or anything like that. Well, we're quite cyclical. We're, I mean, women are very cyclical, but all of us, I've got a cycle and, you know, it's, there is no, no, there's not many people that can be turned on at nine o'clock and turned off at 5 p.m. And, and and work productively for those times. And sustain that yeah, energy, like yes, that. from nine to five, so, yeah. But that's also one of the great things about the way I, I, I said I built my business to be completely remote anyway. But so that means all of my freelancers and everybody who works for me has the same flexibility that I do. So, you know, we have we have some guidelines around being available when it's especially in front of clients. But other than that, like I don't care if they're working at 9 p.m. because that's their best time that they want to work. They can work at 9 p.m. Right. As long as they turn up to meetings that they have to be at in the working hours. But if they want to do the bulk of their brain work at 4 a.m. or 9 p.m., it's really no skin off my nose. Like, because I will sometimes just randomly wake up on a Sunday morning and do three hours of power. Right. I'm not expecting anyone else to be online, but I got a brainwave at that moment, you know. And I think it's really important that as, um, you know, as we look at the workplace now, that we can tell these sorts of stories that show it's not a trade-off, you know, having, uh, not being in an office or not being nine to five, it's irrelevant. We, we can do all kinds of things and not be chained to that, that kind of old structure. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of random places that I've taken meetings, like if the clients knew where I was standing, like they would just <laughs> yeah. be laughing, right? But they I want know. to know where you were standing. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been at bus stops in Cambodia. I've been in airports, like at, you know, in lines. I've been in all sorts of places where, you know, important meetings have had to happen. And it's like, well, you know, hope the Wi-Fi is good enough. I'll make it work. And, you know, so it's it's always, or I'm in between getting through stuck in traffic. I mean, if anyone's been to Bali, the traffic's a nightmare. So sometimes I'm pulling off to the side of the street to jump on to say, hey, I'm on my way home. Can you just give me five minutes <laughs> rushing in the door, whatever. But the, the the key thing is that everything gets done, right? We've, we've been doing this, obviously. Yeah. We're doing something. Well, I, I will tell you, 16 years ago, people were far less accommodating <laughs> with that, with the remote. I, you know, one of the blessings of the of uh, COVID was that there was a significant difference in what we meant by remote work. You know, 16 years ago, people. Uh, so I moved from um, uh, I moved from Vancouver, Canada to an island and it was uh, a 30 minute float plane ride away oh, wow. and people drove farther um, to work than than I would have. But I still had people like, oh, how could I possibly do work with you when you're not in the same place? 
And I thought, well, haven't we had telephones for, <laughs> oh, I don't know, 100 years or so? Maybe you might have worked with other people who didn't live in the same city. Uh, but uh, there was a lot of pushback. And, and I think it's more, uh, more accepted now. And I'm pretty open with clients and tell them, oh, I'm in Italy this month, or now, you know, I'm in Portugal, uh, I'm in Panama here for three months, or, uh, you know, we're spending time in Portugal. And, and mostly it just makes them, uh, it connects us on a human level, and we have conversations about where they like to spend time and, you know, things like that. But um, it's 16 years ago, I can tell you, people were less, uh, you know, <laughs> less accepting yeah. of the... <laughs> yes. Standing, you're where? You're, you're what? How could you possibly be working? I'm like, no, really. Yeah. My it's, brain works when my brain works. It's interesting you say that. So pre-COVID, when I explained my job to people, which is basically train the trainer, but how to do that live online in Zoom and Teams and so on, I'd say the vast majority of people outside, obviously, of learning and development would kind of go, what? Even some people inside learning and development go, sorry, what? But now when I say what I do, everybody goes, oh, my God, that's so important. Oh, I wish you were at my company yeah. um, and things like that. So it is interesting, even in that, what, three kind of years, what a difference that's made. So bearing in mind, we're women talking about learning and running our own business. Do we have any insight into differences of running a business that we have versus maybe our male counterparts and obviously we need to be inclusive and it's not just a, a male female gender split now so there might be an element in there as well of something else but what are our reactions to that you want to go holly or you <laughs> uh no i blabbed a lot I, <laughs> it's your turn thinking face on. <laughs> I was like she's uh, she gazed up at the uh <laughs> the ceiling um, <laughs> um i mean i think it goes back to that cyclical nature that i and, and i think that's but I think we've also as a society assumed a lot about the human body and what we can achieve. And I know that, you know, when I speak to, to men in business, they they seem to have a hell of a lot more uh, grunt energy than I do on it, like for the long distance, right? I'm extremely persistent and I can, you know, I can wake up and be on fire and I can, you know, whatever. But I, I do have dips and I do find that, I like my flow is way more important to my creativity than it ever, you know, and it could it ever be nurtured inside of a, another environment except for my own business. So I never found an environment that I could really fall into my rhythm. And, you know, that goes for, you know, my monthly cycle rhythm, my daily cycle rhythm, my, you know, all of the things that go along with being a woman. Um, and also just, just also for me it's around the way in which i want to run my business and you know the way i wish i want to care for my employees the way i want to uh the way i want to lead uh maybe maybe different to uh it took me a long time to see the business as a machine um because i was very emotionally connected to it and and a lot of men can open businesses i think and just see it already as a machine and then they just run it like a machine which is great and fine for profit and all of that. And it's, it's very valid. And I now can disconnect a lot more so I can make better decisions that aren't emotional. But for me, it was harder at the beginning because it was it felt very much like an extension of myself, which, you know, it can be detrimental down the track. And I'm sure, Holly, you would have some things to say about that since you've been 16 years. And Joe, you've been 10 years. I'm only at year four. But I feel like it's great to have that heart, but it also can down the track maybe 
uh, you know, it kind of affects you when you have to make hard decisions. I mean, I've had to have some really hard hiring, firing conversations with people that I really care about at a personal level and they're never going to be fun, right? And I don't know whether that's to do with my gender or just the way I am, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to separate that, right? You know, I'm, is this just me or is this, you know, the female the female condition. Um, I'd add to that, um, and this is a bit of my, you know, putting my mom hat on, um, <laughs> that, you know, not every, not every woman has children. I, I have two daughters um, in their early 20s, and I really wanted to show them and their generation that, you know, women could be the uh, kind of the masters of their own destiny. They could do, you know, chart their future and determine what it was that they wanted to do, uh, earn an income and not be dependent on anybody else. And that's probably a narrative from my own mother, you know, wanting to be not, you know, her generation being very dependent on somebody else um, and, you know, wanting to be uh, wanting to be a little bit of a role model and, and show that, um, you know, we can uh, we can take care of ourselves and, and do what we not only what we want to do with our uh, with our time and our, our careers, but make a difference uh, in the world as well. So I, I think that would be my kind of additional perspective on it, just as a, um, I guess, as a as a female. <laughs> what about you, Joe? I think it's kind of interesting. I really connect with what you're saying, Holly, about the independence, the financial independence and, you know, what that says about our own parents. And, you know, this isn't a therapy session, so I won't go too much detail, but I can definitely connect with that. It's really interesting what you say about the independence and how you want to run your own business. So I worked in quite a few corporates before I started my own business. And, you know, I would do a lot of traveling and that was up at 4am and, you know, long days. And my manager at the time told me that my travel was uh, something that was a, a bonus for me. It's like, it doesn't feel like a bonus when I'm up at four in the morning to get a flight and work until eight that night, um, et cetera, et cetera. So even simple things now, it's just like, okay, I'll go and do that traveling, but I'm not leaving till eight or 9am and I'm going to take a taxi. And, you know, maybe you don't get first class on on the plane but let's get premium economy let's get first class on the train let's you know take the next day off go and recuperate and i do that not just because i have to manage my own energy but because i think that's how businesses should be run within within you know the machine as bianca said within the kind of realities of deliverables and all of those other things but what's also really interesting about this question I filled in a survey recently from my insurer, basically asking some similar questions of how am I treated in business as a woman? Have I ever been uh, talked down to? And all of those other kind of questions, about 20 or 20 different ones. And I honestly had to kind of go, well, I don't feel that. And I don't know whether that's because I'm in l and I don't know whether that is because I'm quite confident in what I'm doing or something else. But I don't feel I've got those horror stories that maybe other people in different businesses or businesses that are older than mine have had. What about you ladies? Um, I think when I was an employee, I think there was definitely, I definitely saw some interesting behaviors around the sector, like, you know, observing, but I, I wouldn't say, Joe, I'm the same. I don't think I have any horror stories or I think that 
the the sector can be quite competitive. It can be quite clicky, uh, especially in Australia. I mean, um, my business, even though I'm sitting here in Bali, I it's an Australian business, and my my client base is Australia. Um, coming to the UK soon, though, by the way. Um, but <laughs> uh, we're doing the UK expansion this year. Um, so, but uh, so I, I guess I find that there is a clickiness to the Australian market, but. I don't think that's gender based. I think it's just happens to be that, you know, it, it it's a clicky. Australia's a very small country really and once you're in, you know, a circle, you're in the circle and I you know, I um there is a bit of, you know, um private school kind of stuff going on in Australia around, you know, kind of matesy matesy stuff, which would happen anywhere, but um, I don't think that that's definitely hasn't hindered me at all. Like one of the things I made a decision of when I started was to actually not pay too much attention to my competitors <laughs> um, and also not to compare myself or even do and, and do a lot of that push, push, push. I did a lot of pull marketing and because uh, that's my nature and I'm not a – it was very much – so one of my mottos is that we're an education brand that educates and so we're here to create value and provide value and in turn, that value will be an energetic exchange with the market and we will get what we need. And that's been my philosophy from the beginning. So it hasn't really, um, I haven't really kind of, I haven't paid attention to any of that crap, to be honest. I've just blocked all of that out. And because it can get you, you know, you can get down a hole and if you're looking for it, you'll find it. Right? You'll find discrimination if you look for it. So I'm like, no, that's you do you. I'll do me. My clients are my clients. We talk. I know what they like. I know what we're doing. I know what we're doing is right. If we, you know, if we mess up, we'll go fix it. But I'm staying out of the kind of chatter because it's like you could always get yourself caught up in that, you know, spiral. And do you think, I don't know if this is stereotypical or not, but do you think this is where we bring maybe a feminine energy to what we're doing rather than, and I, I absolutely do not want to label all men and masculine energy is a bad thing. That's not what I'm trying to say. She's just digging herself out of a hole. But I wonder if there's like the, there's, there could be the toxic masculine energy in business, just like there could be a toxic female one. But maybe this is the positive female energy that running a business that we bring to it. Have I, have I managed to get myself out of that hole okay? Yeah, 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 I think so. But there's, there's shadow sides of both, right? So you, I've seen some extremely toxic women running things and, and managing yeah. things, and we all have. So it's not about, in that thing, is like not about that. But yeah, Holly, what have you seen um, in this space when it comes to, you know, being a bit of a pioneer here on the, on the call? <laughs> not, I, I, not a lot in terms of discrimination. I, I, I've been sitting here racking my brain trying to think, have I had circumstances where I can, I can honestly say, oh, that, you know, that really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I'd agree with your last comment, Bianca, that I've had toxic women. <laughs> I've worked in, you know, in departments where there's a, a lot of female energy and it was not pleasant at times. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that that would be uh, an important you know, kind of feature of, of either my business or the things I've experienced. Um, I mean, I will say I probably hire more women. <laughs> I don't know if that has any, any real, um, you know, it, there's any real kind of rationale or meaning behind it. But uh, I've the two subcontractors I've had that I really that really didn't work out were both men. Um, 
and and the women tend to be more um, uh, easier to work with and and um, meet deadlines. Uh, the the two the two fellows that didn't work out for me, <clears throat> neither one of them met deadlines and uh, and expected it to be like uh, you know just sort of washed washed under or you know swept under the rug and uh, I'm like no that's not quite how it works you don't do the work you don't get paid um that you know that that's the a contract life but um you know I can't say there's been a lot of discrimination that I've experienced so I wonder what advice we have for people who are either thinking about leaving their jobs or are made to leave their jobs that's the situation I was in I was made redundant or um, for whatever reason, they're thinking I might want to do this or have started their own business. What advice ooh, can we ooh, share? Ooh, Holly, ho Holly, go, I'll, go. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, being, being an old gal, I've heard this a lot. Of, oh, I'd really want to freelance, especially in, um, in e-learning development, right? A lot of folks think they're just going to hang up a sign they do great work and you know the magic of uh, of their brilliance and creativity is just going to um, create a path of never-ending wealth uh, so usually what i tell them is that's a false narrative that's not going to work that way um, and really that the um, you know when you're going to go into business for yourself you have to learn how to market how to sell how to sell how to sell <laughs> and that you know how to sell after 16 and a half years I still have to sell you know yes we've um, invested in in a lot of um, SEO and it's helped bring more leads uh, to us you know which was great um, you know during the pandemic because uh, before that a lot of the a lot of the marketing was uh, very personal, very, you know, oh, got to go to events, go meet people, network, uh, and that, of course, disappeared. But, um, you know, being, uh, being good at your craft and running a business are two mm. totally different things. Yep. So, you know, way back when I was, um, uh, you know, when I was a, a, an employee, um, I worked for an organization that was fairly entrepreneurial so like to think of themselves uh, as entrepreneurial and we did a number of things that were um were fairly unique and one of the one of the kind of leadership programs that we used to run um focused around the e-myth oh, uh, e e book, well you talk about no no that. go for it no <laughs> tell us about the e-myth no, you keep going. So it's a, it's a book. Um, it's a book about um, basically systematizing your business uh, and talks about two different realms uh, being in the business or running the business um, and, and working on the business. So being in the business is about operations. It's doing the thing. So, you know, for e-learning development, yeah. it's building the courses. It's, you know, doing, doing the things that you think you're good at and then uh, working on the business is um, is is positioning it's marketing it's selling it's creating systems and efficiencies and I mean it, it's it's quite American in its perspective because it's using um, a kind of a franchise model as being the epitome of success and you know that isn't you know I don't know that that's necessarily the only thing but there are a lot of good messages in there about um, 
separating yourself. I know, Bianca, you talked about that uh, being um, on an emotional level, having to have a degree of separation between you and your business. Um, the other little piece of advice um, I give is that um, think about the structure of your business. So if you call yourself a freelancer, if you call yourself a contractor, uh, or you, um, uh, you know, you sort of put yourself out there as you, um, it is hard to make that separation. So uh, one of the things that I noticed on my, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I noticed on my business journey, I started out as um, a sole proprietor. So in Canada, you can start a business and just that's the hanging up of your shingle. Uh, you're a sole proprietor. Um, and then I decided I would become a corporation. So a limited company, which was a way for me to then say, oh, this is a separate thing. This is not me. Uh, when when people when I when we don't win that proposal, it's not Holly being rejected. It's the company wasn't the right fit. Uh, and that has also been helpful in terms of just, um, you know, thinking of the business as a business. So yeah, my advice, marketing and sales, two very important skills. And the other is to find a way to separate out um, separate you from the business so that it's not just uh, an extension of you. I really like that. Wow, that's a lot too much for me. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I, I really like that point about the, the entity and the legal element of it. So uh, I've been self-employed when I was 19. So then when I became, uh, when I started my business, like you say, it's a limited company, um, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't a massive leap for me. I wasn't scared about it in that sense, as a lot of people can be worried. So, so that was really useful. But the, the legal entity being separate is really important, both psychologically, but also just things like uh, my partner and I bought our first house recently. So then we thought, right, well, we should have our will set up and we should have all of the other you know, stuff that you need to have in life. And then that became a conversation about the business. So I've actually got a business partner who happens to be my brother. There's a whole other podcast there about working with your family. Um, and so then it, my husband is my business ah, partner. There you so, go. so we could just do that podcast now. We'll just carry on. That's right. <laughs> and so then it became a thing of like, well, if I die, what happens to the business? What happens to the assets of the business and so on? So we had to write that into a will and, and think about what's going to happen with that, which is different if you're a freelancer. And I, I think it's quite important in terms of the finance, in terms of the legals, the tax, all of those things that you define whether you are whatever it is in your country, whether you're freelance contractor self-employed, which I'm going to lump in one thing because it's you, versus some kind of limited company, whatever that is in your country because legally they're different. The accounts and the tax and everything is different. How you pay yourself is different. And I think it's, I was going to say it's boring, but it's important that I think whatever it is that you do, you get the right advice up front. I didn't do that. I thought, I'm clever. I can do this on my own. Completely messed up setting up my limited company. Managed to set it up as a charity somehow. Even once my accountant had told me what I'd done wrong, which I, I found out much later I've looked at the advice again and went no I'd still do exactly the same so it's really important it might cost money up front and you think oh I don't want to spend this but it will save you money in the long run which is easy to say at this point I know it's hard to hear but it's worth the investment Bianca yeah. what 
what investment and ideas do you have for people who are <laughs> just starting or maybe thinking about doing this? Yeah, we're just on to that point as well. If you're a company, you can go for better, bigger contracts. You know, you really can. If yes. you're a sole trader, you can't go for and I don't know about the same in your jurisdictions, but, you know, we've won government contracts and we've won them because we're a corporation and mm. there's no way we'd be able, you get those clients as a freelancer. You just can't. Yep. So it depends Absolutely. on the, it yeah. depends on your mission though. Like if you if you do want to build, you know, something that's that's large, <laughs> um, then you you do need to be a company, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, Same here. I became a company so that I could get those yeah, contracts, and then there's yeah. cyber security and insurance and all of those Absolutely. other things that go with it. And the thousands of forms. Insurance. Yeah, back so, to what Holly was saying yeah. about working on the business. <laughs> it's like, Form yeah, 73, yes. please. Yeah. yeah, and then you talk about going international. It's a whole other game. Oh, so, yeah. um, But it depends on your goals. So maybe that goes back to my, my, I guess, the advice that I say to people around starting businesses. Like, you've really, really got to know why you're doing it. And you, it's not for everybody. And all the things we said at the beginning were lovely. Like, oh, freedom, and we live on islands, and it's fantastic. But I tell you, it's not like I'm sure you ladies have days where you're just like, what am I doing? And there is there is a level of stress that comes with it and there's a level of pressure that comes with it cannot be underestimated. When you're an employee, yes, you are stressed. And yes, you have a boss maybe breathing down on you. But when you are the only person that brings in the revenue and you have and you have employees, the most stressed I ever was was the first time I put an employee on. Now, I had contractors that I had on, you know, hourly rates on small pieces of work. And then I had an employee and I woke up and I went, oh, my goodness, I have to make sure that this person. I have to make payroll. I cannot pay myself, but as soon as I have to make payroll and that stress of having to make payroll every month is a stress I'd never felt before. And it gets easier. Obviously, we have swings and roundabouts. But it is still something that nags at you. It's like a it's like a chronic kind of like thing on your shoulder. Like you have to do something today that's going to get you sales, 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 sales. And again, like you had said, Holly, like if you're not inclined to be a salesperson and you didn't do this because you're a really good salesperson, you're just really good at your job and you're really good at running a business, you have to really, it's stepping out of your comfort zone constantly to do that work. And Again, until you're in a position in your company where you can hire everybody to do the things that you're not very good at, which I'm sure we're all almost there in lots of ways. I mean, I know there's still a couple of parts of the business that I wouldn't like to be involved in, but I am. But and I'm sort of almost in my happy place. But it takes so much time to get there. You know, you are you are basically kind of putting out fires for the first, you know, well, for me, it's been first three and a half years. First 15 years. I mean, I still have to <laughs> yeah, it, fires, it is not. But, yeah. but, you know, when, when, when somebody is sick, who, you know, who picks up the slack? If somebody underperforms, who picks up the slack? And I'm sure you ladies are the same as me, is that you know all the functions of your business really well. So I can step into any of the roles to a certain degree. There's a couple of roles in my business that I'm like, nah, I could probably get us to 60% of this and I need to get help. But most of it I can do. And so that means... When somebody's not doing, you get pulled in, right? So I say you're back mm -hmm. on the tools. Yes. And then when you're back on the tools, you stop looking ahead. <laughs> and then you realize you're going to make payroll. So you go back up to here. <laughs> so, so I guess my advice to lots of people is, I mean, I live in Bali and there's a lot of digital nomads here and everybody's trying to get financial freedom for the new world and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. I say to everybody, like, cool, love your vision, do it, but really know what you're getting yourself into because it is definitely very lonely at times. It's def especially remote online businesses. Uh, it can be very, uh, you feel like, even though you know you're not the only person who's had this problem, you can feel like you are. <laughs> and and you will feel like no one will ever understand your business. And they suddenly do, and you go, oh, wow. But there are moments where I really wanted to, to definitely throw the towel in. Um, <laughs> but we're still here. Yay. <laughs> yeah, same. And I, and I think that this whole conversation has started with all of those positives. It's maybe ended with some more of the reality, but on balance, you know, we're all still here X number of years later. We're all successful in whatever measure, whether that's life or personal or financial or whatever it might be. But you're absolutely right. It's about it being at the right time for the right person. And I think that's probably a nice message to end on that it's not right for everyone i mean connecting this to talking about learning is the biggest learning curve of my life i mean you want to talk about mm -hmm. personal growth you start a business yep. so yep. <laughs> there you go and uh <laughs> nothing more needs to be said after that don't read any self-help books you don't need any books start a business you'll learn so much about yourself you'll be an enlightened buddha at the end <laughs> And on that note, it's been absolutely wonderful um, conversing with you ladies about this. We could go on probably for another few hours, I think, but maybe we should let our listeners go away and digest and, and consider what's going on. Yeah, it was great to meet you and chat. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to hearing our, our conversation played back. <laughs> this was a brilliant listen. Having women with such varied experience of setting up and running a business their hopes, their wins, their risks, and to hear them discussing them openly was really excellent. And a massive thank you to all three, Joe, Holly and Bianca. You can find all their contact details in the show notes, along with links to things that they mentioned, particularly the book. Please make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player. It really does make a difference to help people find us. We will be recording again soon, but we do have some more excellent episodes coming up shortly. Next time, we're talking about equality. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.